0: How's everybody doing? Everybody doing good today? Yes? Good, good. Well, we're so glad you're here with us this morning. We just want to say once again, welcome. If it's your first time here with us, it's always an honor for us that you would choose to spend part of your Sunday here with us at One Church. We want you to feel comfortable, we just want you to relax. And uh, if you're online watching today, once again, welcome. We consider you our honored guest as well. So we are going to launch into week four of our Frantic Family series. And I do, first of all, want to start out with a shout out. To those of you who posted some pics this week, some snapshots of yourself and your family and your frantic uh, reclaiming of your meal time, So thank you so much for doing that. If you didn't get a chance to post, just a show of hands, who got to do that? Were you able to reclaim some time this week with your family? Good job. Good job. Anybody else? Awesome. Back fantastic. here? Good. Awesome. Very
1: good. Let's give yourself a hand.
0: Awesome. Excellent. And let's keep it up. Let's not keep on doing it. If you didn't get a, a snapshot up this week, and you want to do that this next week, then please do. Um, I loved kind of trying to guess what was it on the plates that people were eating, or, um, <laughs> or what was going on there. So it was really good um, to see that. Now one family, I know it looked like they had been to a fast food restaurant, which was cool, but y'all, I've never seen so many ketchup packets on a table. I mean, it was like the mound of ketchup. So evidently, that family really loves the ketchup. Well, it's
1: not just that. I mean, a I, huge shout on this. I I get frustrated with the half-ounce ketchup packets. Anybody uh, else frustrated with really that? Talk about this this morning. I, I am um, because uh, I mean, can you give me about a thousand of those that I could put uh, one drop on one fry? I mean, seriously, get the big ones. So anyway, I'm done ran over. You may continue. Wow. <laughs>
0: I had no idea that was coming. So Nor did I. We should have talked so, to you about. So. Uh, and before Chris has the chance to say it, I just wanted to introduce you to the final member of our family this morning. It's just the three of us, me and Chris and Kim's hair. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's humid out, y'all. I'm doing the best I can. So, uh, Uh, Anyway, I'm not doing it on purpose, but uh, yeah, (laughs) sometimes when we go out, Chris is like, wow, can you do something like that? Just
1: the three of us. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We We can make it it if we try. try. All right, right,
0: we're done. So anyway, we want to talk today about integrity. How do we raise kids of integrity. Children of integrity. This is a huge topic in our house right now, as we have, as you well know, our son Walt, who is 16. We have our son Jed, who is 10, and beginning to move into those preteen years. And we're really starting to engage in some of those issues of character and integrity. And if you're like us, you know, before you had kids, you probably had this idea of what it was going to be like when you had kids. Um, For some reason, I had visions of birds flying above the nursery with sweet lullabies and little angel wings of peace, and uh, I don't know, I just thought it was going to be, everything was going to be white and fresh and beautiful and, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just this image of perfection, I guess, that I had. And, and, and maybe that's not so much about the child himself. But anyway, um, and then when you're, when your child actually comes, you, you get that dose of reality. You find out that this sweet little baby that sleeps for about the first three weeks starts to wake up at about week four. And they start to have growth spurts at around six weeks. And all they want to do is eat and cry. And um, some babies are great. Some sleep from the, through the beginning of the night early on. Some don't. Some just want to party at night. You know, it's time for them to wake up and do their thing. And, um, and if you've had more than one child, you've probably experienced both sides of that. But we have this idea of what we see them doing as they grow. What job might they have? Where might they live? What are the possibilities of their personality and of their character? Um, they have, you know, they have such potential. And as they continue to grow, then they hit like two. And then we realize, oh my gosh, this child has got issues of his or her own. Uh, This child comes with a whole different set of um, not only issues, but desires and wants and dreams and personality traits. And so all these things that we may have pictured for them, we realize quickly that, oh wow, this this may not turn out the way that I thought it would. Not necessarily bad, but just different. Our, our view of them, it turns out different than our reality of them. And there's a term in the Bible that's called, it sounds really harsh actually, total depravity. Total depravity. And what that means is that there's really nothing good inside of us. At the core of who we are without Christ, there's not really anything that's super amazing about us as people. And that is the reason why, as we grow, we find out that we need Christ so much. Is because inside of us there's not really anything good. And so we come to this rude awakening where we realize I'm not, my life hasn't turned out exactly like I thought it might, and my children aren't who they thought, aren't turning out to be who I thought they would be. But how do I still raise them to be kids of integrity? If we're all faced with the reality of life isn't exactly what I thought it would be. Marriage isn't exactly what I thought it would be. My job isn't what I thought it would be. Then we realize that we've got some things that we've got to tackle. And so this idea of what would my child be like and how would they act and what would they do, when it hasn't quite turned out the way that we thought it would, so we, we have to start asking ourselves some questions, and that's how do I get my kids to do what I want them to do? So um, so there's some tricks that we develop as parents. Now, some of these are kind of funny. Some of these kind of aren't. But um, the first one would be, I heard this in the store the other day, the fake-out. I was in the store. This child was having a little bit of a meltdown. And the mom says, that's it. I'm leaving you here. It's been nice knowing you. Goodbye. See you at home. And she just starts walking away. And as she's walking, she's saying, bye. Nice to know you have a good life, you know, and I don't know if she's expecting the child to be like, mom, no, please don't leave me. The child did nothing, y'all. Child just stood there. It's like, go on. Exactly like what I was hoping for, you know, so, so the mom like I guess she kind of goes around a clothes rack and she comes back around and she 's like I'm really i 'm really leaving i 'm really doing it this time i'm leaving you here, and so you know so we got this trick where we 're trying to make the child think oh i 'm going to leave you, um, hoping that they 're like, oh no, 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 mom don 't leave me um, so so that 's one another one is counting. Have any of you here ever done the counting thing like all right i'm going to get you i 'm going to count to three by the time I finish this, if you haven 't shaped up then And we kind of stop right there. So we start one, behavior continues, two, still going on, three, boom, to attention. Y'all, what would happen if we got to four? We'd probably go to five, wouldn't we? (laughs) And then we'd probably hear ourselves say six. I mean, do we ultimately have a plan for what comes at the end of three? Do our children know that the universe is not going to explode when we get to three? Uh, You know, what is it that's going to happen when we get to that point? I mean, they'd probably be shocked. They'd probably, of course, my child is sitting right down here, so uh, one of them. But uh, just that idea that, you know, and really what we're doing is we're just prolonging their disobedience. You know, we're just giving them more time to continue on in the behavior that's driving us nuts in the first place. So let's just count it out and just make it last a little bit longer, right? (laughs) So another one that's really good is the guilt strategy. Mm. You know, the, um, well, I just never thought that I would ever see you behave like this. And I don't know what I've done wrong and you know and it's just you know as a child you're standing there going oh no oh mom please no tears don't cry you know but that just that idea where we just just going to take whatever that is and just kind of twist it around a little bit and just decorate it up a little bit more and just lay it at our children's feet like here you go deal with that Um, you know, and so that's another one we have to watch out for. Um, and so we develop these tricks hoping that we'll trick our children into the behavior that we want from them. It's that we're trying to get something out of them, um, rather than, you know, sit down and maybe deal with it. So what are some positive ways that we could deal with that? Well, there's time out, um, where, you know, we separate the child from the behavior, make them go sit down, think about their actions, um, what, what did you do here, what did you say here, um. There's a, we, we could take some things away. We could take away the phone. We could take away screen time. We could take away television. We could take away time with their friends. You know, those are things where they're feeling the consequence of the action, not just us trying to manipulate the outcome of what they're doing. In in that moment like oh i'm leaving you so we really have to watch out for that But if we really want to raise kids of integrity, how do we do that? If we want them to be self-disciplined, how do we teach that if we want them to be honest? How do we teach that if we want them to be responsible? What are we supposed to do as parents? And um, how do we Get them to become who god wants them to be where they love others where they love god They love others and then they love their neighbors as themselves um, and so that's what we want to talk about today. How do we begin to do that? So, um, Mary DeMuth is an author of numerous books, and she spoke recently at a conference called Orange, which is a conference all about kids' stuff. And so, this is the question that she asked What do you do when you want your kids to be a certain way? Not just behave a certain way. We're not just talking about the way they're acting, but about who they are. When you want them to turn out a certain way, what do you do? And that brings us to our big idea for today. And our big idea is become the person that you want your children to become. Become the person that you want your child or your children to become. Who we are teaches our children far more than the words that we say. That's right. The lives that they see us living speaks much louder than our words ever could. And isn't it funny? Because I know for me, when I find myself in a time where I'm in one of those teachable moments, I really have to watch out that I'm not just like blah, 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 and I don't over speak it. Sometimes my body language says much more than my words ever do. The look on my face, my expression, I'm sure speaks volumes compared to my what my words would say. You know, it's kinda like one of those things when you ask your child to do something and they go, yes. I mean, you see what the real message is. Did you hear what I said? Yes. So that's, that's what we want to watch out for. So our big idea today, become the person that you want your child to become. If you want to raise kids of integrity, we have to give them every opportunity to become children of people of integrity. Excuse me. We have to give them those opportunities. So we have to become that so that as we live it out in front of them, they have a clear example of what that looks like. So that when we say to them, oh, don't do that to your brother. Oh, don't you touch your sister. I cannot believe I heard you say that. Well, why? Have they seen that in us? Have they heard that in us? If we think sometimes, oh my goodness, my child is so selfish. Where have they seen that? We have to look at ourselves and see, are there character traits of integrity in us? Is there honesty in us? Are we selfless? Are we giving? Are we patient and kind? If we want our kids to live a certain way, then we have to start living that way ourselves. Because we must become the person that we want our children to be. And if you think about it, it makes sense. In some of us, it's uh, it's like we have to do a self-assessment. We've experienced something, and so that's kind of how we live it out. So we have to look at what our past is in order to be able to determine how do I live this out in front of my kids? How was this lived out in front of me? Um, This says, you're gonna shape the future of your children not so much by what you say, but by what you do. We shape our children by who we are. Now a lot of that comes from our past, from our homes, from our moms and our dads and our grandparents, from the adults that were around us. Some of you grew up in a great home environment. You saw your parents living with integrity, and you thought to yourself, man, I admire my dad so much. I want to be just like him. My mom is awesome. I can't wait to be just like her. And so we spend our lives watching them have a good, strong marriage and interacting well with others. And we see those quality traits and those character traits, and we're like, that's what I want. That's who I want to be. But there are some of us here that have just the opposite experience. We watched our parents and those around us struggle and fight. Maybe they fought with one another. Maybe we watched a parent move from one job to another to another, not able to get along with others, not able to accept responsibility, not able to to provide for the family. Maybe some of you saw the way your dad treated your mom. Maybe there wasn't respect there. Maybe there wasn't love and genuine care. Maybe some of you saw your mom turn to alcohol. Maybe some of you saw alcohol as a way of coping with problems in your home. Maybe some of you saw drug abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse. And so the only thing that you can think about in that example is, I don't want to be anything like my parents. The quicker that I can move away from the example that they were to me, the better. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to walk like that. And so what do you do in that situation? How do you become the person that you want your child to be when you didn't see it lived out in front of you? How do you walk with integrity when you haven't seen integrity? How do you begin to live that out?
1: Today we're going to be uh, looking at this passage of Scripture. We're only going to look at one verse, and it's found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn, or you can download the Bible app. It's a free download, just like Justin mentioned, and you can go and you can be able to look at, we have all kinds of different translations you can get on there. I'm going to be actually reading from the New Living Translation, and the passage that we're going to be looking at today was written by the most wisest person who ever lived. His name is Solomon, King Solomon, and here we literally have a book that's thousands of years old thousands of years old about 3,000 years old And uh, some of you are like, how can the Bible (laughs) A a book that was written 3,000 years ago. How can that really impact my life? Well, I'm telling you You ought to read your Bibles. One of our goals I'm just going to tell you here at one church is we want you to engage God in his word every day during the week So, um, as you look in Proverbs Proverbs is just some really practical stuff I love the book of Proverbs. So um, uh, we're going to be looking in Proverbs chapter 20, starting at verse 7. It's where we get our big idea. Become the person you want your children to become. This is what Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says. The godly walk with what? Integrity. And let's everybody say that integrity integrity now it doesn't mean that the only people who walk with integrity are godly people but if you're actually going to be godly here's a byproduct of you being godly is that you are going to walk with integrity you see a byproduct of really following hard after god is that you are going to be a person of integrity and let's define that word because you can define integrity, I, f- I figured out this past week one of three ways, um, and we're really going to be looking hard at integrity next week. Because next week we are going to be looking at what do you do with technology. How many of y'all you d- I mean you struggle with technology and parenting? Let me see your hands. All right, that should almost be all of us, right? Um, I mean we struggle. What do you do when your preteen wants a phone? Uh, how soon should they get Facebook? How, should, how soon should they get Instagram? All of these things. We're going to be struggling through this. And really, a lot of those issues, when it comes to technology, as we're going to be looking at next week, is an issue of integrity. Here's one way that you can define integrity. Integrity is for something to withstand a crisis intact. Integrity, to have integrity means that you can... You can stand a crisis intact. Let me explain what that looks like, all right? Um, if you uh, have a boat, I was boating, I was canoeing yesterday. And I took all of my boys out, and we went canoeing, and it was fun, but there was a lot of rain come down very, very quickly while we we're out on the water. And you see, during that storm... The canoe survived the storm, so it had integrity. Um, Or let's say you could say the vessel had integrity or the canoe had integrity. Here's another one. When, When a hurricane and a house come together and the house remains standing, we say that it has structural what? Integrity. And what this verse is saying is that if you are going to be godly, then your life is going to be characterized by what? Integrity you're going to withstand some storms the seasons of life in which you think are difficult and as a parent isn't that really what you want for your kids i mean as a parent isn't that what you truly want that when your kids when they go through difficult seasons of life that you know what they may they may get a little ruffled, but at the end of the day they're going to be okay isn't that what you want for them I mean don't you want your children to grow up into adults who have marriages that can withstand the storms Don't you want uh, your your kids to grow up as adults who who can weather the storms in their career and have a character That can withstand temptation and that can be responsible that they can be compassionate That they can be godly that they can have a characteristic of love that they can have all of those capacities Isn't that what you and I want for our kids? The answer I think is yes well, the Bible says this, that if you're truly godly, the integrity is going to be a byproduct. It's just integrity is going to happen. That you will go through some difficult times. In fact, as I've been reading a lot during this week, I've been going through this thing on my Bible reading plan. On A lot of it's in James. And it says, consider it pure joy when you face various trials, for the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You see, there's something about that when you're godly, it doesn't, hear me, it doesn't say if you're godly that you're never gonna have any storms. It says, no, no, if you're godly, you're gonna, you're gonna withstand those storms intact. So parents, isn't that true when it gets older? Parenting is way more difficult than you ever thought it would be. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, it is for me. I used to be an expert when I didn't have kids. I was, man. You could ask me anything, and I could tell you what you need to be doing, right? Now, here's the problem. When I got kids of my own, the expert, he flew out the window, right? He just did I mean, Kim was talking about at the very beginning, and, and I don't know if we've ever shared this. We're, we're three weeks into uh, uh, having our firstborn child, and we both kind of had freak out mode, didn't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, Kim brought Walt to me when he was three weeks old and says, You need to take this child, right? I mean, you need to take him because, oh, my gosh. And uh, One of the things that we didn't know uh, Because this was all new to us But through all three of our pregnancies um, Kim struggled with some postpartum depression and, and we didn't know what it looked like I mean there was all these hormone levels You know going all over the place And I, we thought it was going to be one way <laughs> And it was vastly different And parenting is just way more challenging It is In fact if you don't have If you don't have kids But you're married Isn't it true that marriage is a whole lot more challenging than what you thought it would be? Right? I mean, you looked into his eyes, and he looked into yours, and you're like, oh, baby. Right? I mean, and you you think, we could just live on love. That lasted for about 24 hours. And you're thinking... I'm hungry. Well, <laughs> love, don't fi- love don't fix that problem, right? I mean, parenting and getting married is just way more difficult. It really does push us to our boundaries and to our edge, and it pushes us into the depths of our soul, and sometimes you withstand the crisis, sometimes you don't, but this, what this verse is saying is this, that if you draw close to God, he will equip you to walk with integrity. He will equip you And you may get some stuff messed up in your life, but you're going to stand the storms intact. And I know some of you, you may be here today, and you're like, okay, I don't don't agree with you, Chris, because I've hung out with some godly people, and they they didn't have any integrity. They didn't have any um, morals. They didn't have any boundaries. They just, they were bullies, and they were mean. And I would just say this, I don't think they were truly godly. They may have been religious. Anybody ever met a mean religious person? They're everywhere, right? I mean, you can be religious and have nothing to do with God. But yet, if you're godly... See, godly people... I want to know godly people. They're the ones who walk with integrity. So as a parent, how does this translate? Well, how do we get our big idea today? That you know we are to become the children we want our child to become, all right? Look at what it says in the next part of this verse. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who what? You see, there is a blessing that comes that gets handed down to children who walk with integrity. You you hear that? That if you're a parent, there's something about that That when you walk with integrity, the best gift that you can give your children isn't an iPad for Christmas, or isn't the, the most next technological thing. No, the best gift that you could give your children is for you, Mom, is for you, Dad, to walk with integrity. Because this verse says, Blessed are the children who follow them. Now, what does that mean? I I don't believe that this verse is saying that God doesn't bless people who grew up in jacked up homes. Some of you, God has blessed you, but he's blessed you because you said this, I'm not going to become like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to drink as much as him, and I'm not going to treat women the way he treated. And you made a conscious choice that you're not going to be like that. And you see, whether you obey it on the front end or their back end, God will bless obedience. He will. But what this verse is saying is that if you as a parent, if you walk with integrity, then you give a gift to your children that will last for generations. You will be giving them a legacy because you will be becoming, you will become the type of person you want your child to become. I love that. Let me suggest a couple of very practical things of how to live a godly life. Because, I mean, think about it. How do you do that, right? How do you live a godly life? Well, to be honest with you, I have no idea. So let's pray and let's go home. <laughs> Dear Jesus. No, I'm just... L- let me give you a couple of practical suggestions, all right? And the first one is this. The first thing you got to do is you got to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. you got to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. Yourself, Because all of us, we want our children to do some things that we're not doing. And really, when it comes down to it, that really is an integrity issue, right? I mean, we want our kids to obey the speed limit when they start driving, but do you obey the speed limit, Mom? We, we want our children to grow up and not be negative, but are you always negative, Dad? We want our children to grow up eating their vegetables. Do you eat your vegetables? You see... If you don't, it's an integrity issue. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. And that basically comes down to this. You've got to question your motives, and you've got to look in the mirror. You do. I think one of the ways you can tell whether or not you're being honest with yourself is by how you process messages like this. You see, you probably listened to a podcast. You probably listened to a sermon. and You listened to a message, and you thought this. You know what? Oh, I wish so-and-so would have heard that message. You know, I I, 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 wish that per, I wish my boss could have heard that. I wish my mother-in-law could have heard that. Be careful. I wish my wife or my husband could have heard that. Okay, that's fine. And again, it's the reason why we give things away for free here at One Church. We give away an app. We don't make you purchase any DVDs or CDs. You can get all of our stuff for free because we want to make it easy and accessible for you to get it. But... And that's great, but if the only thing, when you hear messages like this and you're thinking this, I wish she could have heard that. I wish she could have heard that. Stop. Because if that's the only thing that you're thinking, I'm telling you, you're probably living in denial. You see, if you're never saying, I need to hear this, or chances are you're probably lying to yourself and you're not being honest with yourself because people who call themselves spiritually mature, or let's just say religious, There are a lot of religious people who go around and they always think that religion is about what people do. And that's not the case. Not what they should do, what they should do. Let me tell you, spiritual people, Christ followers, they start not with other people, they start with themselves. They say, okay, let me get the speck out of my own eye before I start worrying about the speck in your eye. Let me get the huge plank of board out of my eye before I still start getting the specs out of your eye, and and we just get away with this, religious people do, and that's what I'm saying let's don't be religious, let's be Christ followers, and let's look at ourselves first. So if you've never thought, never thought, and asked this question, how does this apply to me? Then you're probably lying to yourself. I think self deception is the worst type of deception. I do. It's the way a lot of us end up lying to ourselves. And let me tell you, I try very hard not to tell lies. I used to be a a big exaggerator. And I try not to do that now because exaggeration is just lying. The only time I lie is when my wife asks me, Hey, do these pants, Did they make my butt look big? And then that's when I say, me no speaker, no English. So so that's the only time I do it, right? Because... I, I don't want to die. She, is she looking at me right now?
0: So by the way, do these pants make mine?
1: You, you look great. <laughs> um, let Just me tell speaking. you. It's this, it's this thing that we... Because some of you, you're like this. You know what, Chris? If you were in my marriage, you would you would do this too. If you were married to her, then you would look at that too. You know, if you were married to him, then you would spend all that money... To. Or, you know what, Chris? If you were in my stage of life, I know what the Bible says to be celibate, but if you're in my stage of life, you know I don't have a lot of options, and it's just okay. You see, we tell ourselves, rationalize. And we rationalize things. And you know this. Rationalize means you're telling yourself rational lies. But they're still lies. We're not being ruthlessly, meticulously honest with ourselves, and we make excuses and we justify behavior. You remember one of the things we talked about at the beginning of this year? You can make excuses or you can make progress, but what? You can't make both. Exactly right. So we just invent all of these excuses and we think that the rules really don't apply to me, but here's the thing. Are you becoming the type of person you want your child to become? If your child was 20-something and we're acting the way you were acting and saying the things you were saying and looking at the things that you're looking at. Would you be pleased with their behavior? If not, then you have an integrity issue, and you've got to figure out how you can become more. Godly and that's really where we're gonna land through the rest of this day. You gotta you're gonna figure out how you can become More godly. So you want your kids you want to be a role model to your children you do And you know, the question is what are you what are you modeling as a role model? Uh, So be ridiculously relentlessly ruthlessly honest with yourself and that means sometimes some of you you need to repent That's kind of a churchy word. Let me explain what that means. Repentance just means this. It means you got to turn. You were going this direction, and you say, no, I'm going to go this direction. And you stop doing what you're doing. If you want to become more godly, some of you, you need to stop doing some things. And then this. From there, let me give you another churchy word. It's called forgiveness. And forgiveness is what Jesus says that what used to define you in your moment doesn't have to define you anymore. That what you used to do it's not really who you are. You are forgiven. And again, it reminds me of a time where I was uh, you know, preaching a sermon a while back on, in, at one church here. Is, and it was an integrity issue for me. I, I was up here and I'm preaching about baptism. And, uh, I've, and I'm talking about baptism. We have a lot of people who were baptized as a baby. And I had to go through that biblically. And, you know, what does that look like? Because the Bible doesn't mention anything about baptizing babies, anything like that, right? And basically where I landed was this, that baptism is a conscious choice that you make after you begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, literally, as I'm preaching that, I feel God whisper in my ear, okay, Chris, you were baptized when you were eight, but that's not when you began a relationship with me. So I'm up here telling you guys to do something, and I feel God saying, you got to do something about this. And immediately after the sermon, I I remember, I think I went to go talk to Kim about it, and I just said, listen, I need to get baptized. Would you baptize me? And uh, she said, yeah. And I just kind of walked her through my whole process of this. And I remember uh, um, planning and talking with the staff, and, uh, and I had all three of my boys around me, and my oldest son, Walt, he said, Dad, do you think it's, isn't it kind of embarrassing to you be the pastor of the church and you getting baptized? I said, you know, I never thought of it like that. I said, but Walt, let me tell you, I think it's even more embarrassing when God tells me to do something and I don't do it. You see, what I was able to do with him is I was able to tell, I really don't care what people think of me. What I care is living a life of integrity. And if God is calling me to do something, then guess what, Dad? you got to do it. Mom, if God is calling you to do something, then guess what you need to do? You own it. You just do it. You go out, and you are obedient. And when you do that, you give them a front row seat to the grace of God at work in your life. And they're going to realize that you're not perfect. They already know that you're not perfect. They live with you, right? But what they will see is you struggling through faith. And what you're going to show them is going to last a whole lot longer than what you could ever tell them. So be ruthlessly honest with yourself.
0: The other thing that we want to talk a little bit t- about today is personal growth. Um, it makes me think of the scene in uh, When Harry Met Sally, when, when, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but anyway, there's, she's in the personal growth section of the bookstore. Anyway, sorry, I just went somewhere y'all didn't go. Anyway, <coughs> good times. So, uh, we want to talk about personal growth, and you know, that, that term can be a little bit uh, interesting, because it can sound kind of selfish when we talk about personal growth, like, am I really just being selfish? And what we want to focus on here is is we want to get our priorities right. Um, As we talked about in week two, we want to be careful about um, child-centered parenting. And so we want to be sure that we get the priority right in our home and in our individual lives. So what should that look like? Well, first of all, in your life, your relationship with God should be number one, the number one thing. Then if you're married, number two, your marriage is next. And then our children come after that. And then our work and our friendships and all those things fall after that. But we want to get those relationships and those priorities right. But how can, you, how can you grow in that and how can you live that and be an example of that if you haven't taken the time to do it? If you haven't taken the time to grow personally in your relationship with Christ, how can you, how can you be an example of that? How can you give something that you don't have? You can only be an example of something if you've taken the time to invest in it. I would love to be a great cook. I would love that. But y'all, I hate being in the kitchen. I don't like going to the grocery store. It bugs me to death to have to go to the grocery store. So I'm really probably not ever going to be a great cook if, number one, I don't shop for food, and number two, I don't spend any time in the kitchen doing something with the food that I got at the grocery store, right? I can't just sit there and think about it and think, ooh, I want to make something really good. Okay, here we go. It's not going to work because I don't have it. I don't possess those skills. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about personal growth, to be able to look at ourselves after we've done that honest assessment that Chris was talking about, when we've ruthlessly gone through and found some areas of our life where we've got some weakness, and then we're willing to say, okay, I've got to put in some discipline. I've got to take some time. I've got to really work hard at those things. Now, please, 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 don't be confused. This is not about works or deeds. This is not about I've got to behave a certain way in order to earn God's favor. That is not ever the case. When we are in a relationship with Christ, it is because of his great love and his sacrifice for us. It is the death of Christ on the cross that paid for our sins, the things that we do wrong, once and for all, for all time, for all people. We are not excluded from that. When we accept Christ into our lives, and we say, I want to live in a daily relationship with you, we are secure. Nothing we could ever do in our behavior can separate us from the love of Christ and the gift that he has given us for all time. So I want to be very clear about that from the beginning. But what are some steps that we need to take beyond that in order to grow? If you haven't put yourself first in a while, if you haven't taken the time to think through that, those are some of the things we want to talk about today. We want to think about that in all areas of our life. What does that look like in my character? What does it look like financially? You know, think about it as a a bank, our relationship as a bank. Some of us may be on empty right now when it comes to dealing with our children. We've given and given and given and given, and we're just like, oh, I've got nothing left here. My patience is shot. My nerves are on edge. And so we need to take time to take deposits, put deposits into ourselves and into our marriage, into our relationship with God, into our children, into our friendships. We put deposits in so then we have something to give back. So the first thing we want to talk about is your spiritual deposit, your relationship with God. Please, if there's anything that you do on a daily basis besides take a shower and brush your teeth and eat food and sleep, let it be that you spend time with the Lord. Let it be that you carve out some time to just be with Him. Now, sometimes this can be very intimidating because we get ready to open up God's Word and to read the Bible, and this is what I'm talking about when I say spend time with Him, is read the Bible, and we open up this book and we don't know where to start. We're afraid that we won't understand it. Or I don't know a lot about history. Or how do I understand theological, biblical things? Y'all, I want to encourage you, and we say this all the time here, get the YouVersion app. For a society that is so into screens, it just simplifies the whole process. Every day when you pull it up, there's a verse for you to read. There are Bible plans on there. There's topical ones. So what do I do if I'm sad? What do I do if I'm struggling? How do, what about prayer? What about money? What about marriage? What about children? You can go in, look up those things, and there's a whole list of things that you can read from the Bible to help you with those areas. But carve out that time. Just as you would carve it out to eat. Just as you would carve it out to sleep. Make it a priority. Be in God's Word. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, come talk to us. We will make sure that you get one. There should be nothing that should separate you from that time with God. It is an awesome, awesome gift. There will be times that you can read something in the Bible and be like, man, I really don't understand that. And later on in the day, something will happen and that verse can come to your mind and everything about it becomes clear. God will use His Word. He promises us, I will use my Word to help you in in your daily activities to help you in growth and moving forward. The second one is a physical deposit. You want to be sure you're taking care of yourself. That can be a struggle sometimes. Some of us are getting old. I mean, I'm getting old. <laughs> so, we, you know, the older you get and the harder you get, you're just like, oh, man, it's harder to get up and do it, whether you're going to run or whether you're going to go to the gym or swim or work out, whatever that looks like. But I want to talk about sleep not just talking about physical workout how many of you in here usually when you wake up in the morning one of the first things you think is i didn't get enough sleep really okay yeah okay good. there are some of you yeah i didn't get enough the idea of enough i didn't get enough sleep i don't have enough time there's not enough y'all 70% of being able to keep ourselves together is to make sure that we get a good night's rest a lot of times we think, well, my kids have to be in bed before I can get some things done. And I want to challenge you, find ways to involve your kids. One of the things that I've tried, to start, I've tried to start doing, because I have found that I really can do this. I'll get involved in a project, and it's just easier for me to do it than to involve my kids in it. So laundry, I know y'all know this about me, the kitchen and the laundry. Woo! Struggle. So the laundry is one for me, and I can wash it, and I can fold it, and it gets in the basket, and I just can't get the basket up the stairs. I just can't get it put away. I can't. And the boys will come to me and be like, Mom, I've got no underwear. I'm like, it's in the basket. Mom, I haven't had socks for three days. Oh, it's in the basket. I just can't seem to get it. So what I've started doing is making piles of all their clothes. And you come and you grab your pile and you take it upstairs. So it's, it sounds simple, but things like that, where you can involve your family in that. But when we are rested... It makes a huge difference. It gives us, it gives us a break, it gives us a breather, it helps us be kinder and gentler, it helps us to listen better, helps us to interact better. So be sure that you're taking good care of yourself. The next one would be emotional deposits. Parenting is emotionally exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, right there. <laughs> especially if you have kids well and most of us do ranging in age in our house our oldest is 16 our youngest is 7 I don't deal with Walt our 16 year old the same way that I do with Bing our 7 year old Bing is in a whole different stage of life than Walt is and so I can't come to Bing and approach things with him and be like, okay, now listen, son. I can't, I've, got to, I've got to talk to Bing in a different way than I talk to Walt, and then Jed's in the middle. And so mom, 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 mom. And so you've got to think, okay, which child am I talking to? And what stage are we in? Okay, teen, preteen, and, second grader. at and
1: halftime, I can't even get their names right. Bing, Jed, Walt.
0: I was talking to somebody yesterday. and They were asking about uh, Jed and Bing, and they said, how are Bed and Jean? <laughs> I love that. Hey, Jing. Hey, Dad. Uh, anyway, so, you know, it's, it's emotionally exhausting. We're always on call. There's always that need or that demand or that, you know, that time that they need from us. And I want to encourage you to replenish your emotional tank. This is not selfish. This is necessary. Once again, you can't give what you don't have. That's right. So if you are just spent from giving out so much, then how can you give Kindly and patiently and lovingly to your children, to your spouse, to your friends. I know for Chris, one day a week, he likes to just take a day and just get out of the office. We love y'all. This is our life. You guys are amazing. But sometimes... Y'all come by the church office a lot, or y'all make the phone ring a lot. And so Chris is like trying to meet all these needs, and he's like, i got to get out of here. i gotta go, I got to go work somewhere. It's not that he doesn't love or care or want to be available. It's that he's got to have some time, number one, to work on a sermon. Number two, he's got to be emotionally filled. He's got to take some time away so that he can answer calls, so that he can speak to people, so that he can work through that. And,
1: and let me just say right at this. You know, some of us— Uh, The whole extrovert introvert uh, thing plays in here. How many of y'all you would say you're extroverts? Let me see your hands All right. Okay. By the way the extroverts just went (laughs) How many of you say you're introverts? All right, see here's the thing the older I've always been an extrovert the older I get the more introverted I am becoming And and the more I'm sometimes I have to separate myself so that I can refill my emotional tanks so I don't know if anybody else is like that um, That's just how I am uh, I'm noticing this change in my life And I just want to say this as, w- as well You know, some of you You're, you're struggling through some things and, and your emotional deposits are down Because you got some things in your life You need to work on I would encourage you In fact, if we have an email address up here from Jared uh, We have a great guy on our team Who is a fantastic counselor and uh, you can actually reach out to him as Jared Hodges is his name and his email address is jared at onechurch.tv and you can go and he's going to be able to help you help re- actually replenish those emotional reserves that my wife is talking about. So,
0: So, emotional, physical, spiritual and the last one is relational. Do you have quality relationships outside of your home? Outside of your children? Outside of your marriage? For Chris and I, this is huge. There are so many things in our life that we can only talk to one another about. Um, In things of ministry that are confidential, there are just some things that we have to come to one another when we know of a a family that's struggling or a person that's dealing with a lot, And, and it's not something that we can share publicly. And so there are things that we can just talk about one another with, and I'm sure it's that way in your home as well but there are times that we kind of reach that limit with each other and we have to have someone else to go to. We need somebody else to talk to so that I don't drive him crazy and that he doesn't drive me crazy. And that's not in a bad way. You just, you need that. So invest in a friendship, please. This is probably one of the biggest areas of my life that I love and that I struggle with. I love friends. Friends. Maybe it's because I spent my whole life growing up in the military and moved and moved and moved and moved and moved. This final move to the house that we're in now was my 20th move in my lifetime. I was in a different school every year until my sophomore year in high school. And so when I found someone that was a friend, I mean, y'all, I just latched on. I was like, I gotcha. Because it meant so much to me to have someone that I felt like I connected with. Now, unfortunately for me, I kind of take that to the next level because I'm like, I'm never going to let you go. Like, uh, I feel like Dory in Nemo it's my squishy and I love you and I'll pet you and I'll be my squishy and my, you know that's kind of I have to watch out because I have that tendency but it's important for us to have those relationships outside it's important for us to have someone else to talk to another perspective another voice a voice of truth don't, don't just find somebody who makes you feel good about and, and makes you and says to you what you need to, what you want to hear excuse me Not somebody who will just stroke your ego, but somebody who can be brutally honest with you, but you know they do that out of love for you.
1: And I, Sorry to interrupt here, babe. This is one of the things that you and I, just over the past few days, has brought a lot of tears to both of us, right? We've seen a lot of people. um, Kim has two really close friends uh, getting ready to move. One just moved to Japan, and uh, another one is moving up to Franklin, and um i got to be honest with you i love you guys at one church y'all don't y'all don't make it easy cuz we have a lot of great people here who move and we i know you're all excited about your next venture and your next where you're going to go and you need to be are you even thinking about my feelings <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? I mean, remember the people that you are leaving behind. I'm telling, I mean, and I'm joking, kind of, but uh, this, this year has been a rough year for us because we've seen a lot of you um, getting either getting ready to move or moving or have moved, and it's just like, oh, man, because we love you guys so much. So, another thing, and it will get us back on track on the notes, is I would just encourage you to date your spouse. You're talking about making those relational deposits. Friendships is a good thing, but again, don't put your children in the center of your marriage. Number one, put Jesus there, but then after Jesus Christ, you need to make sure to validate your spouse, date your spouse. I mean, the best thing that your children can have is a mom and dad that love one another, Correct. So, I'm sorry. I right. interrupted
0: you. No, you're good. So, um, what we want, where we want to end today is, we don't want you feeling guilty or having self-hatred or, oh, I'm doing this wrong, oh, I'm doing that wrong. What we want you to do is ask some honest questions about where you are with your integrity and your character, your daily practices. Because, once again, if we want to raise children who have integrity, we have to start with ourselves. We have to live with integrity in order to raise children with integrity. So maybe through the course of this morning, you've just heard the Lord say to you, ooh, that that might be one. Or maybe you've just had that feeling like, man, I really need to work on that. I need to spend some time there. I need to develop some discipline in this certain area. Do the work. Don't run from it. It is the heart of God that we live for him in front of our children He chose our children to be in our family. He chose you to be their parent. He did that with full confidence. He knew that there was no one better to parent that child than you. So don't allow this to go to a place of, oh, I've done this wrong and oh, I've done that wrong because I'll be honest, I quickly do that. When something goes wrong with one of my boys, the first thing I think is, man, what did I do to cause that? What did they see in me that caused them to behave like that? It's not. Sometimes it's not about me at all. Sometimes it's just that they're human too. And they're growing and they're developing their relationship with God. But as far as it depends on me, I want to live a life where they can look back and say, I saw my parents live that way, and I want to live that way too. So as we close in prayer this morning, let's just all start there. Allow this to be an encouragement to you. What is it that I need to pick up and grow? And what are some things that I need to leave behind? This goes back to what Chris says earlier. Repent. Drop the things that aren't serving you well. Seek the forgiveness for that and move forward. Don't live in guilt. Don't live in shame. Don't live in condemnation. This is the day that you stand up and say, I'm honored that I was chosen to be a parent to these children, and I want to take up what Christ has given me and do it with integrity. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the privilege to be able to go through this journey together. I know today's topic is not one that comes easily because in our society, we often feel the pressure of performance or perfection or achieving. But that's not what we're talking about here today, Lord. We're talking about our character, our integrity, our relationship with you. So for the parents who may be sitting here feeling like, man, I'm at the bottom of my bucket. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say. I pray that you will encourage them today. I pray that you will help them to look to you and to be able to say, God, I don't have all the answers, but I know that you do. And I know that I don't have to be perfect, but I know that you are. I know that you long for me to love my children the way you do and to live a life of integrity. Give us strength as parents to do that. Give us hope. Give us determination. Give us discipline. Give us the passion to do that. Because not only do we honor our children when we do it, but we grow closer to you. And that's who we want to be. We want to be different. We want to be known by your mark in our lives every single day. We thank you, Lord, and we love you.